are watching a special edition of India Decides and I'm Barkha Dutt. On the program this evening, over the next 60 minutes, we'll be asking whether coal has started a forest fire that will bring the UPA government down. The UPA, of course, is brazening it out despite an embarrassing affidavit placed before the Supreme Court today by the CBI. An affidavit that actually confirms that the coal report, the report that was being prepared on that coal allocation scam was altered with. Further, the CBI has confirmed to the Supreme Court that the law minister, and crucially, this is important, officials from the Prime Minister's office made changes, and these changes, according to the CBI, were significant. The CBI has listed three changes that it considers to be significant and has also listed one addition that was made to the content of that coal report. The CBI has gone on to, however, argue that the essence of the report, the essence of the investigative process has not been compromised, despite the meetings that it confirmed were held with the law minister as well as law officers of the government, as well as prime minister's office officials and officials in the coal ministry. At the end of this affidavit, which has many embarrassing details from the government, when the CBI makes the argument that the essence of its investigative uh, process has remained unhindered, unharmed, is the affidavit going to cause an inevitable cornering of the UPA government or is it actually going to provide them an exit route? The Supreme Court will have the last word, of course, in two days from now. But before we uh, introduce our panel this evening, let's go across to my colleague Sunitra Chaudhary. She's been reporting on this story over the last many days. And Sunitra, I have highlighted some of the key changes uh, that are referred to in this affidavit. But what I think could be most damaging is the focus on the law minister as well as officials of the prime minister's office. Inevitably, questions are going to arise, especially related to the role of joint secretaries, whether in the PMO or the coal ministry, there are joint secretaries doesn't necessarily act on his or her own. The Prime Minister's office is arguing that the changes made were factual. But the question is that this is a report that nobody should have seen, leave alone make changes to it. Well, what's interesting is before the CBI listed those significant changes, as it calls them, by the two joint secretaries, it also gives a little rider in the beginning saying, I just want to put on record, Ranjit Sinha says in the affidavit, that there is a usual, this kind of consultation between the two. But as they then point out the changes, is that something which is out of ordinary or not? That's what the Supreme Court has to decide. The change specifically, the significant change which they made, the allocation and weightage of points in allocating those mines to people. So whether all the people that were there, all the bidders that were there, how much weightage to give there, that is absent. CBI had noted in its report. But for some reason, it's unclear right now, the two joint secretaries deleted them. And what the CBI also then admits to is that we accepted that deletion. Now, is that okay? That's one thing we have to see. The other two deletions, of course, both the law minister. One, about the fact that there was no screening committee, something that has been attacked. Barkha, you know that screening committee, the CBI says, that did not have any kind of charts or broadsheets or Excel sheets. For some reason, law minister deleted this. And the second one, which is perhaps more interesting, about the question of the scope of investigations, inquiry, and respect to legality of allocation while the amendments in law were in process, this bit, which was there in the Supreme Court, in the Supreme Court status report prepared by uh, CBI, this bit also deleted. About the law officers, of course, compared to these significant changes, CBI does make a little contrast to that, says the suggestions by the Attorney General were minor in contrast. Parka? All right, Sunetra, the fact is that three changes were made, one addition was made in a report that actually was not for the eyes of the political executive. And that's what important. Yet, the law minister met the prime minister today and he's continuing to say he's done nothing wrong. He believes he has been telling uh, journalists all day off the record or rather off camera. He's been telling journalists all day he believes that the court will bear him out on, uh, on, on, on Wednesday when the court next hears this matter. Let's introduce our panel now. Has coal caused a fire, a forest fire literally that is that can bring, if not the UPA, at least the law minister down? What about the role of the prime minister's office? Remember, it was the prime minister who held the coal portfolio from 2006 to 2009. Who is accountable? Who stands to explain what or how much the coal report was meddled with 
at the end of this affidavit. With me in the studio, we have Raju Ramachandran. Raju Ramachandran has, of course, been a former additional solicitor general. He's also a senior advocate with the Supreme Court. Likewise, with Mukul Rothagi, senior advocate and former additional solicitor general. We're also joined by Prashant Bhushan, a senior advocate, a member of uh, the Aam Aadmi Party, and also somebody who actually was a key player in this because he actually took a public interest petition to the Supreme Court asking for greater transparency in what went wrong uh, in this case and who interfered and at what level. We're also joined by Harish Salve, former Solicitor General of India. Also joining us in the program tonight, Amarinder Saran. He's also been a former additional Solicitor General. And finally, last but not the least, R.K. Raghavan, former Director of the CBI. I'd like to start with Harish Salve and Prashant Bhushan, if I may. Harish, to you first. As somebody who has been a law officer, who's been very blunt in your criticism of, 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 uh, of the process which was shaken, though that's the phrase that the Supreme Court used in its last set of observations. When you look at the CBI affidavit today, is there something that strikes you as contradictory? Because I was trying to make sense of it and I saw that on the one hand the CBI lists these very serious three changes in one edition. On the other hand, it is continuing to arguing that no substantive changes have been made. Barkha, <clears throat> let's uh, read the CBI affidavit and uh, because it's my conclusion that the CBI has completely lost its credibility and has to be removed from this investigation. Let me tell you why. First of all, it is now established that there were significant changes made. It was not uh, exercise in grammar or semantics that was going on in the law minister's office. Second thing, it is established that contrary to the rumors that the law minister was trying to spread, the meeting was called by the law minister. So let us not now discuss the abstract proposition on whether CBI can consult the attorney general or the solicitor generals, because that's not what happened. The law minister called them. The meeting didn't originate from the CBI. The meeting originated from the law minister. And the entire matter has to be seen in that backdrop. So let's not get into abstracts of is there anything wrong in the CBI meeting the attorney or the yeah. solicitors or whatever. Now in this backdrop, Barkha, two or three things are very important. There are preliminary inquiries, PE. Yeah. A PE is a precursor to an FIR. It is the first step in the initiation of criminal investigation. Did they go to Mayavati ji to ask her when they recorded a PE? Did they go to Mulan Singh ji or his lawyers when they recorded a PE? And how is the position of the law minister any different? Because this PE relates to the Union of India. And worse, joint secretaries in the Ministry of Coal and joint secretaries in the PMO being consulted in relation to a PE in which their conduct is in the scanner. I mean, this is shocking. And despite this, the CBI says significant changes are made, but you know, we have not made any very major changes. I think they should have just hung their head in shame and said, sorry, we've been exposed and we hope we'll never do this again. I mean, this is unacceptable. Thirdly, why is there no explanation up to now that what, who gave the law minister the authority first to call his own meeting? And then to tell the CBI, now go meet, meet the Attorney General, he will uh, have a second look. What is this going on in this country? Prashant Bhushan, I, I, with regard to the role of the Joint Secretaries, this is a question you raised in the Supreme Court today, that the government needs to answer that when a Joint Secretary in the Prime Minister's office begins to look at a, a, a what should be a classified report, somebody has mandated that officer to do that. So to that extent, there seems to be a lot of opacity around the role of these two Joint Secretaries. It's obvious uh, that the joint secretaries were not acting on their own. Exactly. Uh, obviously, they were acting on instructions. Somebody must have sent them to look at the report and see some things uh, from some point of view. And uh, if, you, if you look at this whole thing as to why the government was so keen at different levels to see this report and to make changes in this report, you find that at least at three stages, uh, uh, meetings were held, reports, uh, these reports were seen and changes were made. First in the law minister's office, then in the attorney general's office and then in the CBI office where these two joint secretaries come. Now, uh, who, who are the beneficiaries of this interference? I mean, who is being investigated? Primarily, it was the prime minister's 
office and the prime minister's role that was being investigated because the prime minister was the coal minister at the relevant time and all the allocations are made at his instance yes. secondly it was the prime minister who stalled the changes in the uh, mines act to provide for auctions which the coal secretary was pleading for since 2004 this was delayed by more than 6 years while all these allocations were made and all these if you see as to who are the officials who tried to interfere all these people are under the control of the prime minister individually they did not play any role in the allocations neither the law minister nor these joint secretaries except the attorney general who did play some role because he gave opinions relating to these coal allocations yes. other than that all these persons were really uh, Uh, were really beholden to and controlled by the prime minister but prashant can i ask you can, can i ask you something what yes. is this when you look at the affidavit today you made the point that it is in the end the prime minister and the prime minister's office that wielded that authority to make the allocations when you look at the affidavit today do you believe the cbi has come out walking a thin line trying to say changes were made but no they weren't really made or do you believe that the cbi has in its own way tried to take on the government because harish is making the argument that the cbi stands no. discredited after this affidavit no no you see the cbi director uh, clearly though a pliable person from all this it is clear that he is pliable but he is also timid he doesn't want to risk the the, the chances of perjury and contempt of court therefore he decided that he would not say anything false the only question was how much Uh, should he reveal or how much should he not reveal and that is why so many consultations were held between him and the attorney general between him and the uh, mr narayan swami and others in order to decide what should go into this affidavit what should not go into this affidavit okay so uh, what the cbi has, director has done is without making a directly false statement Uh, there are as in his first affidavit also in this affidavit i believe uh, full facts have still not been revealed and my in my view they would be revealed only if the computers of the cbi officers on whose computers these drafts were made and changed etc are examined because that will reveal exactly what changes were made at uh, at what time okay. and therefore that would reveal at okay. whose instance these changes were made I, I, before i come to the others harish you were disagreeing or agreeing with prashant i couldn't tell completely agree barkha i was uh, i have never taken a hard position like this but i feel we need an sit to investigate what happened because this is the very serious lapse where the supreme court asks you to uh, do a inquiry you register a p and then you go on in this fashion and i agree entirely with prashant this affidavit conceals a bit and reveals a bit hmm. and if the newspaper reports are to be believed which have not been contradicted again the same group of people is being consulted by the cbi chief nothing seems to have changed it is business as usual and we would really like to know what were the original changes how can you believe this organization now when they say there were no other changes made i don't believe them So if they are plant enough to make three changes they may be plant enough to not come clean even on this affidavit so we will get the perspective of the former cbi director on what he believes where his agency stands today mukul rothki you've heard very strong words from both prashant bhushan and harish salve where do you weigh in on this debate both of them seem to be actually saying that this affidavit that we journalists think has actually embarrassed the government gravely has not gone far enough it's hiding more than it's telling or it's hiding as much as it's telling see if you go by the affidavit couple of things are clear and i think with respect mr salve and mr bhushan are taking a very extreme position According, in what way i will tell you apart from the affidavit please understand the cbi is represented in court by a law officer whether i have represented he has represented anybody is represented so cbi is entitled to consult its lawyer even in a report which it wants to make in what form we should make how it should be made and it has to be shared with the lawyer of that there is no doubt so it is shared let us say with the asg yeah mr ag the attorney general is the boss of the asg he is the head of the government's law officers team i don't think there is anything wrong in the cbi consulting him in this case or any other but case. isn't the controversy the, what they told the court but, or rather what they didn't no, tell no, the court no, about this no let's go step meeting. by step 
first is the issue of consultation yeah. the 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 legal the the law of the law minister also is a legal advisor to government of india so you believe they've done nothing wrong according to me a meeting between the law minister the law officer and the cbi director there is nothing wrong in that what i find most objectionable from this affidavit is the presence of joint secretaries of the concerned ministries whose roles are being investigated the role of the law minister is not being investigated nor of the attorney general they are the law minister reflects the same represents the same government the I'm head sorry, of the, the there, there is some difference yeah the the person who is being investigated is the ministry the cbi is entitled to consult cbi has to consult somebody no it will consult lawyers so you are saying the most damaging bit is the role CBI of the joint secretary yes that is what i feel and one more thing yeah, more. yeah. i have read the affidavit yeah. i have no other personal knowledge yeah from this affidavit what is clear is this meeting was called by the law minister yes the attorney general came he was late mm. he had no other papers he sat there then he went away after that they came to his house in the evening because he had to go to court the the affidavit says there were two draft reports which are subject matter of all this yeah the total number of reports are several there are seven eight or 10 reports yeah nobody else saw anything but two reports there are eight status reports or yeah. 10 status reports yeah. so only two were discussed finally they were corrected or whatever it is in what manner we don't know because the details are not here they are in a sealed cover finally they are all 10 of them are compiled into a regular final one report yeah. which also is not shared with anybody if this was a clandestine approach between all the people getting together then i am sure that they would have then seen every report can i can i can i can i can i can i get quick rebuttals from both uh, both uh, harish and prashant prashant on mukul's provocative argument here that it is actually the role of the joint secretaries that Let's is damaged i feel that that is improper okay let 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 prashant Barka. first yeah okay harish first and then prashant harish yes barka yeah. yeah i want to very quickly say i started by saying it is not that the cbi who was seeking anybody's opinion it is the law minister who called them why should the law minister call them if the cbi has no question to ask him yeah let's remember that so this general argument that the cbi has been represented by law officers and therefore there is nothing wrong in the cbi consulting law officers we are not interested in the general argument in this facts of the case the affidavit is very clear the law minister called for the meeting so why did as a lawyer do i seek out a client i mean where are we going with all this let's be very clear the law minister wanted to see what is being written in that report and to say that well only 20% of the report is tainted or 30% of the report is tainted i think we are talking of the credibility of an organization not the quantum of interference prashant do you want to come in there and then i'll take it to uh, to, to the other guests prashant yeah uh, you see uh, the first it was being said that the uh, cbi wanted to seek the opinion of the law officers on the issue of whether the uh, report has to be filed in a sealed cover or not the cbi director's affidavit says even there they were not seeking the opinion of the government it was the law minister who called them even for that first meeting in february to discuss this issue of sealed cover or not at that time the status report was not there and thereafter in march they called the law minister calls for the status report yeah. according to the additional solicitor general the attorney general asks the additional solicitor general to to tell the director to bring the status report to the law minister's office thereafter the report is uh, called for in the law minister's own office read various changes suggested changes suggested and made by the law minister himself this is this is certainly not for the purpose of seeking legal advice or anything like that clearly it is for the purpose of finding out what the report says and thereafter making suitable corrections amendments changes in that report to suit the government and to suit who in the government except the prime minister I will take that back to Mukul but Raju where do you win weigh in on this report who comes out the most damned as it were after this affidavit because if you listen to uh, Harish he actually thought the CBI comes out the most damned because they, they could not stand up to what is a self evident government attempt to interfere in an investigative process Prashant is echoing that Mukul is isolating the joint secretary and saying that's where the focus should be I don't agree with Mukul either on that or also on his point that the attorney general being the boss 
of the additional solicitor general the additional solicitor general as the cbi's lawyer was entitled to take his boss into confidence oh. if the additional solicitor general was representing the cbi he had no boss he was the cbi's lawyer and the attorney general could not have come into so the picture at all so you're saying in this case in this case he was not answerable to, to the, the attorney, attorney general. general first point okay your question was who is damned most here yeah according to me everyone there are two different levels of impropriety here first level is outside the court meetings are taking place yes vetting is going on such meetings could not have taken place and therefore well meetings per se often take place that's a different between matter between a minister and, 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 and in this particular context where the government the conduct of its officers its ministries the actions of its ministries are being inquired into such a meeting could not have taken place between the cbi and the law minister because cbi is in the position of an investigator and the government is in the position so the first impropriety is in the meeting itself where all those who participated are, 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 are complicit are complicit yeah. and they are all guilty of a grave impropriety okay and i don't buy this argument in the cbi's affidavit that there are no clear guidelines about whether such consultations can take place or not as a lawyer i don't need a guideline from the bar council to tell me that if i have a case before a judge tomorrow i shouldn't be ringing i shouldn't be ringing him up and telling him to decide the case in my favor i don't need can, a bar council guideline can i can briefly in, can, okay. and i'll come back to you raju because on this point where you where raju says in this case once harin rawal was the lawyer for the cbi then he could only answer to the I'm cbi i'm sorry i don't agree at all harin rawal is a law officer there is a team of law officers headed by the attorney general who he has a constitutional post yeah. and who is entitled to advise not only his law officers but all governmental or semi governmental uh, authorities and the cbi has complete right to go to him and seek his advice notwithstanding that mr rawal his junior or a member of his team is representing cbi now if if mr ramachandran is correct that the role of the entire government is being investigated see you can't say entire government is being investigated you are investigating one wing of the government that's right that's if if one mm. if you are uh, investigating the role of the you entire you can't trust the law minister to be politically independent no, just just politically one. independent about an investigation into no, no, into a ministry which no. is headed by the prime minister no 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 just one minute please one minute <laughs> if that is so that the entire role of the government the whole government is being investigated then why should cbi have a government lawyer Why should Mr. Rawal be representing? Okay. He should have gone to a private lawyer. Okay. 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 Rajat, you can have a second level. Yeah. I'll leave that for a moment. Yeah. And the second yeah. level of impropriety, or the second stage of impropriety, is the impropriety in court where wrong statements were made to the court. There, the law minister is not involved because the law minister was not in court. Yeah. There. the responsibility rests solely with the lawyers who made those statements in court okay amarinder saran this affidavit can be interpreted in two different ways and that is perhaps why the congress is brazening it out at this point on the one hand it lists three changes and the changes are described to be significant in the cbi's own language these changes have been made primarily by officials of the prime minister's office the coal ministry and the law minister and these changes if we can just bring them up again for just a brief moment these changes pertain to sentences that spoke about the scope of inquiry these changes pertain to actually weightage points or measurement uh, systems for how allocations should be made and these changes pertain to whether there was actually uh, a screening system or any particular guidelines that could be followed in these allocations now amrinder saran even the parliamentary panel uh, uh, the standing committee on coal has actually said that there was no transparency in coal allocations under any government under any government from 1993 to 2009 but here you have the government seeking to change that conclusion that the cbi uh, reaches in the cbi obliged does this affidavit entirely damn the government and damn the cbi itself no i don't think the, the damns either the government or the cbi 
CBI has come out with whatever the truth was and has given its own perception of the things that followed. It has answered the questions. Now, let me tell you about the role of the two joint secretaries because as the Bukul has said that their role was not proper. The CBI affidavit itself records that they were the coordinators for the, with whom the CBI was coordinating with respect to the inquiry in that ministry. Yeah. That will make them a part of the CBI inquiry team. The CBI inquiry team was coordinating with them. They were getting material from them for uh, collating, collecting, investigating. And secondly, so far as the conduct outside the court is concerned, I must tell you that according to the rules of executive business, the law ministry is the sole authority for giving legal opinion, legal advice, and to be consistent, uh, consulted in legal matters by But Amarinder Saran, how can the law minister be advisor to a case that is under investigation? I'm sorry, but I'm just not following that. He's, please, he's not under investigation, nor is prime minister under investigation. They are not named as accused. It was their duty to see it. And as per the uh, rules of executive business, he is the authority to be consulted. So far as the government position is concerned, it has totally been compromised by false statements being made by senior officer as well as supported by the junior officer in the courtroom. Uh, if they had not made a false statement, if they had come out with a declaration, I don't think all these problems would have arisen. Okay, Mr. And so far these joint secretaries are concerned, yes. they were being... Let me interrupt you. Coordinators. There. They were coordinating on behalf of the department. But that as, is the, that as is per the, the CBI. Uh, Mr. Raghavanthi, uh, uh, patiently, but Raju, very quickly, that's the Prime Minister's office's argument. We were coordinating. That's the argument today being made by the coal minister who says he entrusted his joint secretary to liaise with the CBI. Now, the point is, of course, there might have to be files that have to be examined and information handed over. But how does that justify changes? How, and how does that justify changes by members of the political executive? It does not justify at all. And the question is not whether they are major or minor. And anyone who reads the affidavit and yeah. sees the nature of the changes can see that they are major and substantial. But even if they were minor, they could not have been privy so it's to the this affidavit. It's, it's the, the principle, principle which is involved. It is the principle and the question mark over whether the investigation process can now be considered to be independent at Absolutely. all after what has happened. R.K. Raghavan... We've been talking several times ever since this controversy erupted. And I remember you said, let there be clarity on who called this meeting and for what purpose. We now know that the law minister called the meeting. We also know that it was communicated to the different people who went for the meeting that it pertained to the drafts of this cold report. Do you now change your mind about how the CBI comes out in this? And what would you have done if you were the director? Is this the affidavit that you would have presented before the court? Do you believe the affidavit goes far enough? Thank you, Baka, for having invited me to speak uh, this evening. Um, I don't think I'll change my position uh, drastically. It's, it's very clear that the CBI did not seek any legal opinion. I think it is quite satisfied with what it had by, by way of inputs to be uh, put into the, uh, uh, the status report, which, which we sometimes call progress report. Uh, such reports do not any, have any legal nuances. They are mere statement of bland facts. Some facts may be interesting, some may not be. But for preparing a, a, a status report, the organization does not need any legal expertise. It's a coalition of facts. It's now very clear that the CBI did not uh, volunteer to go to the minister. Yeah. It was the minister who called him. Yeah. And there is nothing, if I am right, uh, there is nothing to indicate that the CBI ever sought the opinion of the ASD or the Attorney General. So the CBI had kept itself insular from all these officers and had prepared a report. Yeah. It is at this stage the law minister sent for the, uh, for the director CBI and then the other legal of law officers, the Attorney General and the ASD come into the picture and then they have, um, they have instrumental in effecting these changes. So I think the, the only fault, uh, the main fault of the CBI in having buckled under the pressure from the minister. As I stated earlier, that's, it requires tremendous courage, it requires a very, very brave CBI chief to tell the law minister 
that he would not come to him to discuss this particular case because he is under the orders of the Supreme Court to submit a report which is for their lordship's eyes only. So it is where the CBI faulted and I cannot defend the indefensible but then there is in government what is known as a hierarchy. If Ranjit Sen had buckled under pressure from the minister, I think it's probably his sin um, is slightly lower than that of others who called him and made few changes and made him accept these changes. I think uh, accepting these changes also is a kind of a, a, a kind of a mistake which the CBI said. It should have stood the ground saying that this is the report you are going to send and I have gone to this far in showing the report which I should not have and no further and that they should have come back and sent a report the way they are prepared. Okay. So the CBI is slightly culpable but my feeling is that the other actors are much more culpable. Mukul Rothke, would you agree with that? Yes, yeah. let me tell you. See, we are today sitting in hindsight and trying to dissect who called a meeting, why did somebody go. When I was in ASD and a minister had called me, I would have gone. But suppose I, the minister called you and said, Mukul, it's about this case. And that case was something that was under investigation. You knew the delicacy the of the minister case. is not under investigation. Why wouldn't a law minister call me, Mukul, would you come here, I need your views about some other because case. Because this I structural would have relationship suggests a compromise agency before it's even no, 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 started its work. See, let's, let's, let's go one by yeah. one. The substance of the affidavit is that no potential accused has been added. No potential accused has been taken out. No evidence has been removed. But Prashant Bhushan says we can't believe that till we see but all the files. I mean, we see, otherwise, I don't know. You have to go by the affidavit. We have seen only one, we've seen only one affidavit no, from what, the CBI. No, what I am, Barkha, in, in, in totality, what I am trying to say is, it may have been a little improper for the law minister to call everybody like this. But there is otherwise nothing improper between the law minister and his legal team and the CBI discussing this or any other case. Number Do, one. Yeah. But, but, but. What about telling the Supreme Court that the meeting did not take place? See, not I, informing I, the court that the meeting no, took place? No, I am not talking about what happened in but, court. I am talking about what happened outside okay, the court. Okay, okay. I am talking about outside the court. Sitting in hindsight, we are trying to have such a high moral pedestal for this case where ultimate substance is that nobody has been added or removed as an accused and trying the TV is trying to compare this case with the case of the railway minister where a man his nephew has been caught with money there is a question of comparing let us assume there is impropriety but then things can be corrected Rabi it Rabi can be corrected in future what, why make uh, what, such what, a halabul what, what was the main violation or the ethical violation uh, in inside the court in the not disclosure, in the non-disclosure of the meeting, or was it outside the court? In not just the fact of the meeting, but the changes made. And to my mind, these changes are not insignificant. Although, although as we have all said, the changes are not detailed. We know what category the yeah, changes we were don't made. Know in. The, exact the affidavit has not told us everything. Yeah. It has not answered the questions in our mind. No, that it has given in a sealed cover again to the court. Now we, we are not privy to that, Rajiv. and nobody else will. Barkha, I think the violations are equally grave both outside the court and inside the court. Yeah. I don't think one is lesser than the other. I do agree with Mukul that you can't compare this case with the railway yeah, minister's yeah, case. Yeah. That's a matter of media's but th that, that's judgment. Too, that's and too interestingly, <coughs> interestingly uh, uh, delivered by the CBI, by the same CBI that we call it yes, politically yeah. uh, compromised. Yeah. Some, some people reading uh, meanings into the timing, but anyway. They would never have done it. <laughs> if they were, the if CBI, they were buckling everywhere, would they have done this? The CBI can be supine, compliant, timid, bending in one situation and independent in a different situation as all of us can be but the fact is that in this case they were guilty of an impropriety Who and very interestingly yeah. very interestingly in the cbi affidavit they have annexed Raju, an I order agree with you i think barka will give you her your <laughs> turn <laughs> let me just point out from an annexure to the cbi's mm -hmm. own yeah. affidavit today where they annex an order in the Jain Hawala case yes. of some vintage yes. where the Supreme Court directs that whoever be in administrative control, the details will not be shared. CBI says there are no specific guidelines but then gives this as a precedent. 
so the cbi knew what it ought to do and what it ought yeah, not uh, to uh, do. let me get amrinder in and then mr raghavan again amrinder sir i think the point is this that it, it's not rocket science you don't need a manual you don't need to know what the rules say and what they don't say is common sensical for the people Correct. of this country that if Correct. an investigation i wanted if, to if, just if, tell you barkat but can i ask my question quickly. and then you can answer that if an investigation is on you don't actually if please, you want please. to be an independent agency share that investigative report midway and allow changes to be made to it by your political bosses yes mr sarun please go ahead amrinder please go ahead first let me tell you uh, the law minister is not the political boss political executive is the department of personnel minister he is the uh, lawyer or the agency which gives legal assistance to cbi he is not the political executive that's number 1 number 2 for me anybody is speaking lies in the court is the most detestable thing to do in the uh, ask all your panelists has any one of them ever lied even before the judicial magistrate they have i don't think they got to confess the judge pass orders of our say so barkha i thought that in your previous no, show no, no, i no, made I it clear any one of them has done it raju yes barkha on your previous show on wednesday hmm. i had specifically said that one law officer having resigned propriety and dignity of the office requires that the other also does so i am not minimizing the impropriety in court but i am saying that both are grave improprieties okay i'm going to give the last word to uh, rk raghavan mukher if you want to come yeah, in yeah i want to say one thing i am not saying everything is hunky dory hmm. there may be improprieties cbi's affidavit is not very clear whether they went why did they go शोज that the attorney general is not to be damned and is being wrongly damned this is the version in this affidavit and raju and amrinder on that and then rk raghavan yes barkha i am not comfortable with this word damned yeah, okay i Sorry, say this i that. say this with let's say pillory great pain we are talking of a professional colleague a senior professional colleague and a friend we are debating a public issue and therefore if something has to be said it needs to be said and i do believe that when a wrong statement was made in court you mean in court then mukul's argument of attorney general being the head of the team had to accept responsibility in for this legal mess which has happened mukul do, 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 apart do, do, from anything else it's a question this, of moral responsibility the wrong statement was not made by the attorney general surely it, when it was made by rahul but then surely the attorney general being well, privy to facts ought to have corrected mr rahul right he may have corrected mr rahul <laughs> that doesn't mean that he is equally guilty of somebody making a wrong statement rahul said yeah. it has not been shown to anybody else this is what he said now he has made a wrong statement if he meant that showing to a lawyer is not showing to anybody else then please to say that it has not been shown to anybody else can also be construed to mean that showing to my boss the attorney general or to the law minister or as amrinder sarun saying to chaps who are giving him the inputs what is wrong with it if not correcting I mean, a statement which you know to be wrong i don't think is it is wrong. not I don't know. a serious impropriety on the part of the country's top law officer i don't know what is and i say this again with pain and he regret. never said correct, correct. okay <clears throat> let me take this back to rk raghavan that the divisions correct. around this debate continue over who is the most accountable uh, the fact is uh, 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 rk raghavan you have said previously that there's a structural problem in the relationship between the cbi and those who wield political power technical arguments can be made about the law ministry being a legal advisor but i remember a word you used you said the law ministry has a mole inside the cbi yeah i still maintain that whatever happens in the cbi is communicated to the law ministry through its um, uh, the, the director of public prosecution uh, director of prosecution who is a law, who is an officer from the law, a law ministry who sits within the cbi uh, if i remember right in my years the uh, the legal officer is one who worked under the director and who owed everything although he may originally from the law ministry he worked directly under the uh, under the director 
and he didn't owe his loyalties so much to the law ministry as he does today. His designation has been changed to director of prosecution. So the CBA director will always have to look over the shoulder to make sure that whatever he does in confidence does not get known to anybody outside the organization. And this is specifically uh, the case where possibly the law ministry got to know the direction um, on, along which the investigation is moving. Yeah. And as a result, uh, possibly um, a meeting was called by the law minister. Otherwise, I don't think there is any occasion for the law minister to call for a meeting yeah. because the CBI did not, there is nothing to indicate that the CBI ever asked for a meeting or asked for the views of either the Attorney General or the um, ASG. So, ultimately, it is, it is uh, CBA director on the one side and the, all the others on the other side and CBA director walks into the law minister's room and there he says three distinguished gentlemen, people of very high uh, position in government and they asked him to see, they asked him to show the report, the report was seen by them and, they, uh, and then they uh, suggested some corrections. I am not for a moment suggesting that any of them had a dishonest motive. I mean, probably they have uh, overreached themselves. But the fact is that CBE director was pitted against three others and was asked to make some changes. Yeah. And the director possibly overawed with the occasion. Remember, Ranjit Sena had just taken, yes, I think it's about two or three months since he, or even less than that, he took over the organization. The first time he was heading an organization as important as the CBI. It is just possible he buckled under pressure. I'm not defending him at all. Um, uh, Absolutely, please, I want to make it straight. Okay. But the fact that one pitted against the other three, uh, possibly he uh, broke down. And that is how probably that is that could be an extenuating factor, but it doesn't absolve him of um, the responsibility um, to have pointed out to the law minister and the others that he stood by his status report and that he would not budge and did not make any changes. Remember, for preparing a progress report or the status report, you don't need any, uh, any top legal brains. It's a statement of bland facts as borne out by the investigation. So okay. the CBA director is entitled to stick to his own facts. Okay. And then when the Supreme Court has clearly said that he should send a report for their eyes only, it is uh, none, have, of the, uh, none of the others uh, are any business to look into the report I, I, I and suggest to, changes. Okay, one line, I have to end there. Just one, one line. One thing. As long as CBI <coughs> is represented by government lawyers, meetings between law officers, attorney general, ministers, the law minister is bound to happen. If you look, if you want to go forward and have them totally a non-government organization, let CBI not be represented by government lawyers. Well, that's a good that, idea. That's, that's a, a good, good idea. idea. Don't have any government lawyers. Otherwise, idea. this will go on. And CBI has already started engaging yes, so therefore, Mr. Lalit is here. Mr. Lalit was a lawyer. You can have a panel of 20 lawyers. The fact, the, the fact, Don't have them. The fact is that there are structural problems in the way that CBI is, 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 is deprived of real political autonomy, but we'll have to leave it there. And the fact also is that most people don't understand legalese or the technical details or the CBI manual or this manual or that manual. They just believe that an investigative process was sought to be influenced. I think that's, that's the takeaway from this. Now it's up to the Supreme Court to decide how grave the impropriety was. Raju Ramachandran, Amrinda Saran and R.K. Raghavan, thank you so much for your time on this uh, special thank edition you. of India Decides. Moving on now to the politics of this. The BJP has leapt on the CBI affidavit. The BJP is saying Ashwini Kumar and Pavan Bansal both must go as the CBI report actually confirms that the cold report was altered with. And Arun Jaitley, leader of the opposition in the Rajya Sabha, is now joining us. Mr. Jaitley, let's bring in your perspective. What are your first impressions going through this affidavit? At first instance, it seems a bit contradictory. That's what we've been saying. Because on the one hand, the CBI has listed these three changes that were made to the coal report by the Prime Minister's office, the Law Minister, the Joint Secretary, the Coal Ministry. But on the other hand, it continues to argue that these changes were not substantive and did not alter the essence of the investigative process. Well, in the first instance, let me tell you that I have two preliminary points. One, that CBI had no business to take the factual aspects of its status report to any minister in the government. Preparation of a status report or a final investigation report is an investigative function on which neither a PMO official nor the law minister or a coal ministry official can ever interfere. 
Secondly, you already have a mandate of the Supreme Court in Vinit Narayan's case, which says that uh, no minister, in fact it uses the word no minister of the crown, can ever tell the investigating officer what to do. Now having said this, what is it that the CBI did? Coal ministry officials and the prime minister's officials, office uh, 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 bureaucrats, have gone through the report, they have altered the report. Effectively, this investigation is against the decision makers and the beneficiaries. Now, the decision makers may not be accused today, but they are potential accused. At least today, you can say they are suspects. The investigations may reach them. You have shared an investigative report or a status report with the suspects, which is something which is highly improper, which should never have been done. Now, let's come to your main question. What is the meat of the matter? Whether it is significant, insignificant, is a matter of interpretation. The first, and this is para 19 of that affidavit. The first change the CBI says, which was made is, that the original status report mentioned, that there must be a criteria of weightage. As to why do you select A and not B? So, on what is the weightage? What is the marks on which criteria you give? So, the CBI said you had no criteria of any weightage or any marking system. So the ministry official said, please delete this and eliminate our cul culpability. So the CBI pliantly agreed. The second fact that they said, which is a deletion, which the minister of law uh, suggested, that there are no broadsheets available, no working sheets available as to how you made the calculations that so and so must get the coal block and not the other gentleman. So the calculations are made, those documents are not available. The CBI wanted to say that those documents are not there. So the minister said, please delete this. The third change is even more significant. The CNAG said that in June 2004, you took a decision that coal blocks will be allocated only by bidding. But you continued for eight years to allot it at the old procedure and you did not change the law, thereby causing that 1,85,000 odd crores loss. So the minister said, Please delete all references to this. The CBI caved in and agreed to this. Now, if these three things go away, this is the meat of the matter. The culpability of the accused is diluted in the status report. Now, naming the accused or not naming will come in the final 173 report, which is the final report which is filed as which is called the charge sheet in, broad, in simple language. Yes. Now, if you make all these changes... Now, there is a fourth change also, which is not a deletion, which para 19 says is actually an addition. Now, what is that addition? The CB, the, the political executive wanted to add a paragraph that we have so far functioned always without any guidelines and we followed the old procedure of functioning without guidelines. So that my culpability looks a little diluted. So the CBI decided to give them the benefit and also made that addition. Now, if this is how CBI status reports are being prepared, it's a rare case where this has become evident because of the close scrutiny of the Supreme Court. I'm afraid it's a very sad reflection on the functioning of the CBI. Let me ask you, though, the CBI makes the argument in the affidavit, and let me just read this out to you exactly, that there's nothing in the CBI manual to guide whether status reports in an ongoing investigation in a subjudice matter are to be shared with others. Now, you've been law minister, and I've asked you this before, can any law minister actually say that he or she has not met with the CBI director, or is the more important point the context of this meeting and the fact that changes were made? The CBI has its internal legal mechanisms, people who advise them. In a complicated case, they may say, please get us a law officer who wants to advise us or we want to know the advice of the law ministry. They can meet officials, they can meet ministers. But that can only be on a question of law. Never should the CBI, and I don't recollect any instance in my case, where the CBI came to me and we decided to interfere on the factual matrix of a case. Yes, on legal questions, the law ministry is a service provider, they can advise. But the, as far as the factual matrix is concerned, the CBI is a master of its own investigation. No minister of the government should ever interfere as far okay. as that is concerned. But on the issue of the manual, on the issue of them... Your second question you said, yes. the government is saying, should the law minister be a stranger? And the CBI is bound by its own manual. I am afraid the CBI's affidavit to that extent is, is, is not tenable. Because the CBI is also bound by judgments of the Supreme Court. 
if you read Vinit Narayan's judgment, it categorically says, it quotes an English judgment uh, which says, no minister of the crown, no commissioner of the police can ever tell the constable whom to investigate and how to investigate. That's a discretion of the investigating officer alone. So the Supreme Court in Vinit Narayan's case, which dealt with autonomy and functioning of the CBI, has declared a law which is binding on the CBI that you can't go to ministers for factual matrix. On the role of the Joint Secretaries, uh, Arun Jaitley, a Joint Secretary of the Coal Ministry, a Joint Secretary in the Prime Minister's Office listed as those who not just suggested changes, but also had some of their changes accepted in that cold report. Now, people are going to say that it's difficult to believe that a joint secretary would act on, on his or her own. You have the coal minister today saying, I told the joint secretary to liaise with the CBI. I have not seen the report. But there are going to be questions raised about who mandated them to do these things, to hold these meetings, to propose these changes. Well, I think the idea of going to the joint secretaries of the two departments, that's the PMO and the coal ministry, itself is repugnant to the idea of any fair investigation. This deals with the first point that I made. The, the coal minister, which in this case was the prime minister, and the coal ministry are possible suspects. They are the ones who took the arbitrary decisions. They are the ones who took an unfair decisions. Now you go and show your affidavits or status reports to the suspects and have it settled by them. Now on your channel today I heard one of your correspondents saying that the government has briefed us to say that this was shown to them so that the status report should not err as far as factual procedures of uh, allotment are concerned. Now on factual procedures of allotment, if the government says, is the suspect or a target of investigation supposed to settle an investigation report or a status report? Well, Arun Jaitley, strong words there from the opposition, but the Congress seems to have decided to let the Supreme Court have the final say that could come day after. But remember, the Supreme Court is slipping into a vacation later this week. The Parliament is going into recess. Before that, the government is trying to get the food security bill passed tomorrow, even if no debate takes place. Is that the political calculation that the Congress is making as the coal forest fire continues to rage on? We'll keep an eye on that story. But from now, from the entire team, good night. Have a great evening.